When it comes to commercial snow removal, look to Tovar Snow Professionals. With the largest snow and ice management fleet in the Midwest, Tovar delivers top-notch commercial sidewalk and parking lot clearing services, even in winter's worst weather conditions. With their 24-hour live office staff, certified meteorologists, and personal service, they are leaders in professional snow removal. To get a free estimate for snow removal on your site, go to baseball.tovarsnow.com or call 844-GO-TOVAR. That number again is 844-GO-TOVAR. Tovar Snow Professionals, Chicago's snow plowing leader. Tovar is an equal opportunity employer. We're Cubs fans helping Cubs fans at Stewart's Cubs Cave Parties. Everybody's in for giving back to those in need. We're going to Club 400. Club 400. We're going to Club 400. Club 400. We're going to Club 400 Club 400 podcast is on the air, and it is event week. It is the big week, William. It's the big one. Contreras, all-star, just got back from Cleveland, and he's going to be right here at Club 400 along with Carlos Sombrano. The great Wayne Mesmer will be here to sing the national anthem. For me, this is a crazy week. It always is, but it's also what we're all about, so I try to enjoy it as much as I can, and I'm telling you why I will enjoy this event more than any other. Oh, I know why. There's an epic part of if, this event. If you've been following our Facebook pages, you have seen what was going on here. We just got done drinking six cases a CLB Club 400 lager. It's the ballpark lager, and we got the main guys from Chris Lake Brewery, and they're here, and we're drinking the beer right now. I want to introduce Jesse Abel and the brewmaster himself, Ryan Clooney. What is going on, guys? Just happy to be here, man. Thanks for having us. Oh, man. And I'll tell you what. I've been drinking the beer for six days straight, and I think my complexion has got better. (laughs) I think I might have even lost a few pounds, if that's possible. I think you had some hair grow back. I'm not (laughs) sure. This is magical stuff, man. Incredible. So, uh, well, I want to say, first of all, before we uh, talk to these guys, how much it means uh, to me to to have a beer for this place, you know? I mean, it's actually like I've had a lot of wonderful things that have happened to me since we started this Club 400, you know, wild road. But if you ask me, one of my favorite things of all time is that we have our own damn beer. I mean, there's nothing better than that. That's pretty cool. I think I, I was honored to be invited over for one of the first. I'm not sure how many. Those numbers are all over the place now, but... The night you you know first had some in your home here, oh I yeah, I think there were some tears. There was that's some, awesome. I think a lot of people were like getting a little misty, and I wasn't even hung over. Whatever Ryan's doing with this beer, it's magic. And I'm not you know I don't want to say this, but my brother drank like eight or nine of them, and he did not have the shits ne- the next day, and he would gave me a high thumbs up for it. But I said thank <laughs> Ryan, don't thank me. But yeah. before we get into this right now, I want to bring on Jesse, who Jesse's been with Crystal Lake Brewery since day one. Jesse. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of CLB and how you guys started? Well, sure. I appreciate you having us. Um, and it's uh, it's pretty cool to see this thing go from, you know, just an idea that we threw out there to something that's actually you can drink now. That's the best part. So, um, but yeah, um, Crystal Lake Brewing, uh, we were founded in uh, August of 2015 uh, by two Crystal Lake locals, John O'Fallon and Chuck Ross. Uh, John was a home brewer and uh, wanted to start a brewery, so they got together together. Um, 
and uh, Chuck sold some stainless steel. And basically, they maybe had a couple of cocktails on the back of the boat. And, hey, you sell stainless steel, and you know how to make beer and write software code. We should start a brewery. I mean, that seems like a natural line of thinking. Just like a Reese's peanut butter cup. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and so they wrote a business plan and, and got their stuff together, and uh, they started the brewery. Um, the original plan, I guess, was for John to do the brewing in kind of a much smaller space. Um, uh, as opposed to the space that we're in now, which is right off of Main Street in downtown Crystal Lake, big 13,000-square-foot building. Um, and uh, fortunately, they bought a big old brew house, and they realized really quickly that they should probably have somebody who has some practical experience actually making beer for a living, uh, because brewing 10 gallons of beer in your garage is one thing that your your buddies all really dig, but it's another thing to actually ask people to buy and pay money for the stuff that you're making. So they decided to... Uh, for scump their way into uh, into Ryan. I mean, guy's been you know in the brewing scene in Illinois professionally for how, how long exactly? Twenty years. Oh, yes. twenty years. 20. That's yeah. like decades. No, no big deal. That's pretty sweet. He's a master. Oh, he is. Uh, of what we don't know. Yeah, we're still working that out. Um, and uh, and it was off to the races uh, ever since then. We started out with um, four thirty barrel fermenters. Now we have eight thirty barrel fermenters, two thirty barrel bright tanks, sixty barrel fermenters, five of those in a sixty barrel conditioning tank so we went from a little bit of beer to quite a bit of beer um in a fairly short amount of time so and i mean you know um we try to participate in as much stuff as we can um and this was pretty much a no-brainer right and then you guys won a, a national uh award for your probably your main beer there uh, the bleach blonde tell us about that beer yeah, um, so Beach Blonde is uh, it's the beer that we sell the most of. I mean, I guess Brian would be better suited to kind of give me the give us the lowdown on that particular beer. Yeah, it's just a nice, easy drink in German lager. It's um, made for the masses. It's the number one style of beer consumed in Germany, and it's just a light, easy drink in lager. Finishes crisp. It's clean, just like you would expect a lager to be. And we were blessed to get that uh, recognition. So once that hit. I mean, we kind of just took off. And what there. was that uh, specific award? What it was, was it? the World Beer Cup. We took a bronze in the World Beer Cup. So that's a competition that any brewery in the world that is packaging and producing beer can enter. And uh, the other two, the gold and silver winners, were breweries that had been in business, I think, 700 years and 400 years. So, wow. And we got a bronze out of there. That's amazing. I mean, I'm sure when you got back to the brewery, these guys threw you a big party and stuff, right? Uh, that's not correct at all, actually. Uh, nothing really happened. I was just get back to work and uh, start brewing. Don't get <laughs> cocky, you know. Those yeah. tanks aren't going to fill themselves. Now, does something like that, does that extend your, your reach beyond just like McHenry County in terms of, I, I we'll talk about where you sell all your Crystal Lake beers and and where uh, Club 400 beer is going to be sold, but does that extend your reach when you do that? Or do you Yeah, I mean, I guess from a from a sales standpoint or a recognition standpoint, like obviously we could walk into a place and be like, hey, try this. We think it's really delicious. Uh, and somebody could go, yeah, I think it's good too. But to have um, a piece of hardware going, uh, we think it's delicious. And by the way, so do the judges at the World Beer Cup um, people – you know that that lends a lot of weight, so that was a that was a big big win. Um, and having the beer delicious consistently is also a huge deal for us. So um, five years ago, when you opened up, you were, how many breweries were in Illinois at, at that time? Not many, correct? There was probably right around like the mid eighties, eighty to eighty five breweries in Illinois total. Okay, and and since then, I mean, 
There's a breweries op- opening up everywhere. It's just craft beer is so hot right now. I think now. we're number one, aren't we? You're close to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah Chicago or Illinois is the, the craft brewery capital of the U.S. So now there's, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood just north of 200. Yeah. So that's basically a brewery opening every two weeks for five years. And you guys don't mind the competition because I'll tell you what, CLB, they've, they've put their name on the map for sure. And I think it's largely to do because of the brewmaster, Ryan, you know, I mean, Ryan, tell us a little bit about uh, how you got into this, first of all, how you became a brewmaster. Well, I was just, uh, uh, I was a union carpenter and uh, started home brewing in the early 90s and kind of felt like I was making good beer, entered some competitions and won some awards. And I was a really crappy carpenter, so I decided not to, maybe I should get out of construction and carpentry and go into something that I had a, a passion for. So I went to uh, Siebel Institute of Technology, which is the oldest brewing school in America, and uh, I took their short course on brewing and an operations course where it was hands-on at a brewery and started looking for jobs. And it took a couple of years to find a job, and I was lucky enough to come on I had applied for an assistant brewer job, having never worked in the industry, and they hired me as brewmaster or brewer and uh, just head brewer. It was just me. There was I didn't have an assistant or anybody else. And uh, that brewery grew from one to uh, three with an off-site location also. So we had three breweries and an ale house. Uh, and I stayed there for 13 years. And um, the opportunity came up. I kind of wanted to grow a little more. And I uh, wrote a business plan and tried to sell that and um, happened to meet John and Chuck, and their business plan was very similar to mine. And we hit it off right away, and they were um, kind enough to offer me a, a job and a little bit of ownership in the company, and the rest is history. We just we, we hit with all cylinders firing and just kind of took off. Yeah, I mean, those guys, um, you know, obviously they're not here at the moment, but, um, yeah, I got to hand it to them. Uh, one of the th- things that I was kind of not concerned about. I just didn't know who they were when I was getting into the into the company and everything. Is this going to be two guys who are like, Man, I own a brewery. I'm just going to sit at the bar and get hammered all day and act like a big deal. And uh, that is that is not the case. I mean, you That's know, every other day. Yeah, yeah. Well, odd days. <laughs> and that would be what Stu and I would do if we owned a brewery, right? Well, we'd be going out of business real quick. Yeah, well, drinking the profits is problematic based on the rate of consumption thus far. I like it. Uh, but I, I was going to ask you, uh, Ryan, like, you know, going back, you know, when you're smaller, I mean, how surreal is it for every day you're getting up and you're getting in your car, driving to, you know, your brewery making beer? Is that just like, is, do you have that holy cow? Do you have those holy cow moments a lot? Like, I this do. Is, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm making beer today. Who, who doesn't want to make beer, right? Yeah, it's it's a motivator to get out of bed for sure. I was on vacation a couple of weeks ago, and it's funny being on vacation and being I mean, everybody's pissed off to come back from vacation, but to be, of course, naturally pissed off, but also looking forward to getting back into the fray and getting back into the brew house, it's a great thing. And uh, it's hard to consider it work. I mean, it's truly what I love doing, and it's just, it's awesome. And you obviously put your passion into every beer you make. Um, I was going to ask you regarding, um, you know, doing the Crystal Lake beer, what what sets you guys apart from your competitors? I want to talk about the... The water system you have, because water is obviously the biggest ingredient in beer. So I know you have a really unique system over there with that. Yeah, so we uh, right out of the gate, we um, spent a lot of money on the front end to put in a reverse osmosis water system, which is a system that 
kind of clears everything out of the water and gives you pure H2O more or less. And then it allows us to build back minerals and salts that we want in the water to mimic different municipal water supplies from around the world. So our goal always from the beginning was to make beer as true to style and traditional as we can. So the Beach Blonde, the, the German Helles Lager that won the award, part of the reason I think that that beer won the award was because I looked up online and saw what Munich, Germany's municipal water supply was, and then we created our water to be, mimic that water almost to a T. I mean, we were so close on the water profile that I think the judges were looking for that traditional German-style taste and mouthfeel, and we were able to do that by having the ability to treat our water on a batch-to-batch basis. Gotcha. So key things in the whole selling beer industry are obviously quality beer, consistency in that people want to have the same experience every time they have one, but also marketing is a huge part of it. And you guys are out in, as I think you mentioned earlier, out in the community everywhere. You know, you go to bars, you go to different places, especially here in McHenry County, and they're everywhere. Oh, yeah. Lake Brewery. They'll take over a bar and have their all their beers on tap and all that kind of thing. What's uh, tell us a little bit about that? Well, I mean, uh, from that marketing and sales side, I mean, uh, we we try really hard to um, you know participate in stuff that we think makes sense and um, where there are people around in the local community that are going to get to be able to enjoy it. And more moreover, let us talk to those people like one on one, face to face. I mean. Um, us going into a bar and saying, "Hey, you know, we were gonna—it's gonna be super cheap. Our beer's super cheap. You should buy it." Well, that's not really the case. First of all, and second of all, I mean, it's much more valuable uh, for us to go in there and be able to say, hand somebody a beer and go, "Hey, this is this is what we're doing up there," and connect it with a person and a story and all that good stuff. Um, so we really try to—you know—our ultimate goal is to be, you know, McHenry County's number one beer period. Um, I mean, I, I love me some Miller High Life and all that good stuff, but, um, you know, that's that's our goal. So we want to try to participate in that and start in McHenry County and kind of work outwards in, you know, in, in circles that make sense. Like, yeah, I mean, we're probably not the most popular beer in Chicago. Not super surprising. Um, but, you know, we're, uh, we're working on it one step at a time, that's for sure. Yeah, I was going to ask, um, one of the most important things in beer is hops. And I was wondering, where do you guys get your hops from? That's pretty cool. Um, it's one of those things that's as if the job isn't great enough already. There are some perks that come along as you get a little bigger. And we are able to go out to Yakima, Washington, and um, pick our hops. So not literally pick them off the vines, but we, we go out there and hops grow and uh, each hop variety is grown in many different sections. I, I don't know what the um, acreage is per variety, but so it's, say, lot one is the very first section, and it goes maybe to lot 50 on a Cascade hop or something like that. So we go into, um, well, first we get to tour the fields and everything and check out the hops, and then we go into a selecting room, and they do what they call cuts. So they'll go into a fresh-picked bale of hops and kind of cut into the center and pull out a sample from four or five different lots that they think are the best. And we get to sensory evaluate them, smell them, taste them if you want, rub them, get the oils out, and we pick the ones that we think are the best. So 
that's something that a lot of breweries don't do. It's not that they can't do it. It's just one of those things that a lot of people don't think about. And going out there and actually getting what we think is kind of the cream of the crop gives us that the, a, a little more, not necessarily an advantage, but it's a little more give a shit and it's a, it's a, I think it shows in the product. We have, if you don't buy hops that you selected, you get what's ever left over after everybody else selects. So we get the good stuff instead of getting what's left over, and I think that's really important. Oh, it's I, like dibs when you're a kid. Right? It is. Like, yeah. oh, I got dibs on that candy bar. <laughs> yeah. William knows about that because he's always picked last. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Does that affect the flavor too, like the water and and all the very much other so. Elements, yeah. The, so the as as they get older, as hops age, they start getting more um, kind of funky, and so. I'll use Cascade again. Cascade should be bright, citrus, grapefruit, that kind of characteristic. And as they get older, they tend to get a little more on the fruity, sweeter side, and then they can even get a little kind of a, uh, not like a skunky note, but kind of a dirty note. So you notice that from lot to lot. When we're selecting those hops, they always throw one in that they know they don't like or that they think is there's a flaw in it somehow. And then we'll get it. And if we choose it, good for them. You know, they got rid of a turd, but if, you know, thankfully we have good enough noses and palates that we pick the good stuff. I mean, I think that just shows how much these guys care and what they're and what they're doing and how much heart he put, Ryan uh, puts into it. You know, and that, and I think that's what makes them stand above the rest. I was asking Ryan back in the day. I said, Ryan, you know, when you come up with a beer like, for instance, the Club 400, and you put together your basically your recipe, which consists of many different things, which I'm going to ask you with the standard quick 50 cent, you know how to make beer, basically, the stages of it. But I asked him, I said, when you put together these, you know, this recipe, do you have an idea of what you're going to get at the end? And Ryan, you, how did you say? Yeah, I think it, I always work backwards. So I have, for the Club 400 beer, it was a, something that we were honored to do um, because of all of you. And it was also true and near and dear to our hearts. Jesse and I love domestic beer. And I, in particular, love old style uh, and high life. So when I thought about the beer, I said, well, I know what I love about old style. I know I, what I love about high life. So in my brain, I kind of put together what I thought would make that combination work. And then I write the recipe backwards. So I know that I wanted it to have very minimal bitterness, but it needed to be a clean bitterness. So I knew what hop I was going to use for that. And I knew I didn't want it to be caramely sweet, but I wanted it to have some kind of a corny, corn-like sweet malt character so i knew what i was going to add and kind of percentages i was going to add of that to get that balance of those two characteristics and then the lager yeast was another thing that, that i actually that was probably the hardest decision because the yeast impacts it so much on what the final profile of the beer is going to be and i did a bunch of research on it and found the right yeast strain that well the one that we thought was right and that was just kind of a it wasn't a wing and a prayer but it was just we didn't know what it's going to be like it takes five or six weeks until it's done to really know if we pick the right yeast. And I think we did. Now going into that, like I was there, I was, I was thankfully these guys invited me to be there when they made, made it. But uh, yeah, the yeast is one Which of the Which is the reason there's not much left. Or... Yeah. <laughs> I was calling Jesse up all weekend to get cases, but, uh, but yeah, the yeast, you know, that was one of the last <laughs> things you do is add the yeast, but yeah, well tell us about, and then we'll go into the yeast part, but yeah, a thousand dollars for like, it was like a, how, what was a gallon yeah. or what was uh, it? it was probably it, well, it's about six liters or seven liters and yeah and i was like how much does one of those cost like a th 
thousand dollars. I'm like, holy cow! And then he Ryan happened to drop it on the floor, but luckily <laughs> I did. That's a true story. Yeah. From eight feet up in the air. Shout out to Omega Yeast yeah. Labs for making good bags. Yeah, by the they way. make great bags. But, but yeah, tell us about the beer process, and then at the end, just tell us. Yeah, yeast is so important to it, which I didn't. I didn't know. You know. Yeah, so the process is pretty simple. It's water, malt, hops, and yeast. That's what makes beer. So we start out with that water that we talked about, and we have we treat it the way we want to to mimic those um, countries of origin that we're brewing. And then we add malt, and generally we get our malt from two places. We get um, from North America our two-row malt that we use in all of our American ales, the Slalom King, the Wake Maker, Fox Rocker, those beers. Uh, and then anything that we brew that um, is like german based is all comes from bomberg germany so we get an actual shipping container a 53 foot shipping container comes into our parking lot full of grain from germany we get it about four times a year and then we uh will mill that grain crack it to open it up and expose the starch we'll mix it with that water that we've treated at a certain temperature to, and then what happens is the starch converts to sugar simple fermentable sugar uh, we'll separate the liquid from the grain, so then the grain is gone. It goes to a local farmer here uh, in Hampshire, and then we'll boil that liquid. It's called wort at that point, and during the boil, we'll add hops. So we have this giant tank of uh, very sweet liquid. Basically, it's kind of syrup. If you boil yeah. it down, it would be syrup, uh, and we add hops in there to balance out all that sweetness. So the malt is sweet, and then we add that balancing hop characteristic in there. Then we'll cool it down really fast, and as it's cooling down, then we're saturating with oxygen. Um, yeast are respiratory like we are, so they absorb the oxygen and get ready to ferment. Uh, it goes into the fermenter, and then we'll put the yeast in. So when we brewed together, um, that was a fresh culture, so we poured it in the top of the fermenter. Uh, normally, we would pitch from one fermenter to the other, so we would hook up hoses and do a sterile transfer that way. So... Uh, it ferments. Lagers generally take five to six weeks. Uh, our ales take about two weeks from the day we brew them to be ready to be packaged and put on tap. So it's a, it's fast and furious. So yeah, lagers are. are oh, you gotta let them sit there and croisen for. That's a, right. Oh, oh, month. Did you just at use least, the word yeah. croisen. <laughs> Can you spell it and use it in a sentence? I can't actually. Okay. <laughs> well, a beer that's fully croisen. I know that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, as far as like barrel aging, you guys doing a lot of that. Yeah, we do a fair amount of that. We do uh, every year in November, early December, we release our um, Boathouse Reserve, and we do um, a regular bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout. We do a rye whiskey barrel-aged imperial stout and uh, uh, bourbon barrel-aged barley wine. So we age them for a year. Um, we'll go through and select the barrels that we like the most. We'll blend those. And that's what we bottle. We blend them into our bright tank. We condition them in there. We carbonate them, and then we package them. That's a fun day. It's well, it's fun I've now heard. because we're we've been bottling them, and finally now we're canning them. So it used to take about what was it, seven or nine days yeah. or some. And we would have like eight people standing, and one person would be filling one bottle at a time. One person would be dipping it in sanitizer. One person would be drying it. One person would be waxing it. One person would be packaging it. It was just, it was horrible, horrible work. Yeah. One so, thing we know is efficiency. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we, uh, that's why they're $700 a bottle. Wow. Yeah, can you believe crazy. that? People yeah. pay that? <laughs> oh, my but, God. Uh, they, uh, so now we're, we are uh, canning 
that. And that's a kind of an oddity. A lot of, most breweries don't can such a, a prized beer. You know, it's a beer that costs a lot of money and takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of care and nurturing to bring it out. Um, but the can is so much nicer on the product um, than a bottle would be. So you can still, everybody's like, oh, can I lay this down? Can I store this or sell this? And absolutely you can. It's, it's a perfect vessel for storing. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's something we take serious, and we really love doing it, selfishly, I think, probably for a good part. And how about sours? You guys do sours? And- yeah, we just started kind of. So we did a, a Britannomyces um, uh, Cezanne, which we aged in for about a year. Actually, it was about nine, almost ten months in red wine barrels and it is it's exquisite it's beautiful it came out just outstanding so that was kind of our first foray into souring or bacterial fermentation and we we plan on doing considerably more the thing is we have to be careful with that the sour yeast tends to migrate out and it, it could cause a catastrophic event <laughs> so we're, we're holding off be disappointing yeah well we would love it i mean jesse and i would drink the hell out of that stuff but um it's not what we're we want to make sure we can do it right and do it clean and uh, it'll probably take an off-site facility where we can do it off-site so tell our listeners uh jesse they walk in the crystal lake brewery which is an awesome place it's got a really good warm feel to it and I can tell you from going in there as many times as I have, the, the people that work there are truly a family. I mean, these people actually like each other. It's weird, you know. <laughs> you don't usually find yeah. that. But, uh, you know, there's not a lot of TVs in this. It's kind of like an g- old G- German pub, you know. I'm glad they put one TV in for the Cubs games. So I'll definitely you know, be <laughs> Of course. Yeah. But, um, but it has a warm feel to it. It's, uh, and, and, Jesse, tell us about the, uh, what, you know, your beer menu, your overall, what you guys try to put out. And then uh, tell us about the Mug Club, which you guys started right when you opened, and then your special events that you have. Yeah, yeah. So the the tap room is nice and big. It's about 3,000 square feet or so. Um, so it's not like you're shoehorned in there with a whole bunch of people standing shoulder to shoulder. Um, not that that's a bad thing, I guess, but, you know, need a little room to stretch and hoist that beer. Um, and uh, we have 12 different beers on. Um, usually five or so are the same beers year-round our core beers uh, and then the rest of them rotate sometimes they'll stay on there for a month or two sometimes it'll be on there for a day or two i mean it really depends uh, we actually um have two brew houses in the brewery of the main one that all the big beers come out of and then there's a teeny little uh, pilot brewery that makes about three kegs at a time so that first round of club 400 beer came off of that system and it's pretty cool to be able to you know do entertaining stuff and not be stuck with 60 kegs worth of it um, but yeah, uh, so the tap room's open every day, uh, four o'clock in the evening. And then, uh, on the weekends it's open at noon. And you have, um, and you do, I don't mean to cut in, but you yeah. do have a room, a separate room for private events. Yep. We sure do. We can see about 40 people in there. You come in, hang out, um, you know, reserve it, you know, everything from a meeting to, uh, we've had a first birthday party in there. So obviously that <laughs> kid's being raised, right? Um, so that's always a good thing. Um, we don't do food at the brewery, but you can come in. You could have it delivered. Um, we have food trucks on Friday. Uh, I always challenge people when we're out there and just say, you know, walk in with a box of cereal and a half a gallon of milk and sit down at the bar. Nobody's had the guts to actually do it yet as far as I've heard, but I'm waiting for that. Maybe for the Club 400 VIP day that you're planning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Know. I will say, uh, and I want to bring his name up right now because I was just thinking about our, our good friend, Tim Heil, who passed away. Uh, we had a celebration of life at Crystal Lake Brewery, and I got a little out of hand. I mean, that's the best place to have it, right? Irish Wake, pretty much. But, um, 
Yeah, and tell us about your uh, the, the mug club. I mean, that's the thing about you guys is I, I've I've noticed. I mean, Todd Clement, my good friend, uh, is one of the mug club members. But you guys have developed a pretty good loyal following, and I think that's really important for a brewery like you guys. I mean, you guys really do have a club over there, such as Club Four Hundred. In a different yeah, way. Yeah, we do. Um, we're really, really fortunate. I mean, um, honestly, we would not be in the position that we're in without the people that come into the tap room all the time. I mean, I, yes, we're we're a production brewery that happens to have a tap room. Like our main focus is selling beer outside the brewery, but um, having people come in and and get in there and see stuff going on and all those bright shiny tanks and everything, it's it's pretty awesome. So the mug club, um, it's uh, it's about two hundred people. Uh, everybody has a, a numbered mug. Uh, and there's all sorts of entertaining stuff that you get when you're in the mug club. But we cap it at 200 people. It's not because we're trying to be jerks. Uh, it's because when we we only seat officially like 180 people. So if we do an event, we don't want to have to kick people out. Um, that's why we cap it at that number. Uh, and then we'll do all sorts of stuff. We'll uh, Once a year, John and Chuck and Ryan fire up the barbecue and actually personally cook for all the mug club members. They get first dibs on special release stuff um uh amongst a whole whole bunch of other things beer on your birthday and, and whatnot so it's it's a blast i mean and people um you know uh, some of them you see periodically but a large portion of them I mean, we'll see them not that you know the brewery's a safe space you know it's basically like firehouse church brewery it's like that's a safe space for everybody so we can't confirm or deny what happens at the brewery <laughs> but you see people frequently let's just say that gotcha. Before we get into uh, talking about Club 400 beer specifically, have you guys ever done a beer that didn't turn out the way that you'd kind of hoped it would and just like you just wanted to throw it out and pretend like it never happened? Like a couple of our podcasts? <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> hey, oh. Um, yeah. Two to be exact. <laughs> Oopsie doodle. We have, uh, it's thankfully on the production side. So Jesse mentioned that small little brewery that we have. Um, we have, when we first started out, so I just saw on Facebook today, five years ago, today was the very first day that I brewed a production batch of beer at the brewery. Oh, really? So it's, it's kind of a cool day to be here. And, uh, I was happy to think about that memory, but the weeks prior to that, I was just brewing on that small system and we brewed a couple duds right out of the gate. Um, my good buddy, John O'Fallon tried to propagate <laughs> up some yeast for me. And uh, that went over like a fart in church. It just it did not work. It was horrible. I don't see why that so, would have been a problem. Yeah, so the beer was uh, it was rough, so we promptly dumped that one. And uh, we did another one. It was kind of a, I was trying some different hops, and we were trying to make a hoppy red ale, which is not really a huge style anyway, but it was just something fun to do and mess around with. And the hops that we used, um, I really liked the hops, but the body on the beer I didn't like. It was kind of an off-putting combination, so we dumped that too. But um, knock on wood, we have not had to dump a production batch of beer. Okay. So that's you cool. would, that's though. Thanks I mean, for bringing that yeah, up, buddy. Thanks for putting there. it out there. <laughs> but I mean, like, you would do it, right? I would absolutely dump it. Yeah. yeah, 100%. That's not, it's never a question. If it came down to quality or uh, consistency, we would get rid of it. Okay. So one of the things is obviously uh, Thursday, a big event, uh, but CLB has been down with us since day one. They really have. Jesse, I mean, you got to look at, you know, this has been a great mutual friendship together. It's uh, two different brands molding into one. But uh, I remember when, like, Jesse came to us. I believe Jesse, I don't know who, but I remember I was so happy. I'm like, oh, my gosh, these guys want to come to Club 400. 
but it's really gone way further than that. Obviously, we used to joke about having Club 400 beer, and now it's reality. And I mean, all kind of weekend long, because uh, I got you know early release, couple, three or four, maybe five, maybe uh, six cases. Why know? count? <laughs> I shared with some friends and family who all loved it. Um, it's just been a surreal few days. Joe Rodriguez is here. We don't have him on mic, but uh, you know he's been a big he's been a big guy for us. He's uh, he's always helped us out, and uh, you know he I think he is maybe one of the reasons why we're together with CLB this time. But it's I'm so honored to to have this beer and to share it with my friends and family um, on Thursday. And um, you know it's a it's a baseball it's a baseball beer. That's what it is, and that's um when we we had a couple meetings we. If you were at the party on uh, May second with uh, Zobrist, we had a, we had a little trial run there. Yeah, yeah it lasted about nine seconds. Everybody's <laughs> like, "Can I get another?" Nope. And by the way, uh, I do have a tagline for the beer: a beer made for all nine innings. I like it. Yeah, I like it. It's gold. Uh, yeah, this guy's it's a W. Good. I th- I, you know, <laughs> and that's what uh, one of my buddies asked me. He said, what, "What do you think about the beer?" And I said, "It's a beer made for all nine innings," and that just naturally came out of my mouth. But I really think it is. Um, which means you have to drink a minimum of nine before you <laughs> one in an inning. That obviously. checks out. Yeah, yeah that math yeah. checks out. And pray for extra innings. I mean, right? Yeah. Why there wouldn't you, you want to just keep going? And like, so going back to that, it's just been a surreal. Uh, it was a big hit, and I really believe that you know what I envisioned and what it is is way is way better because I think it's I think it is a baseball beer. I think it is pays a little homage to like the old old school beers, like old style, definitely, and uh, no aftertaste, very smooth, and I mean you can drink a lot on a hot day. So I mean Ryan came through, you know, Ryan hit a grand slam basically. If you want to talk about uh, a little <laughs> yeah. baseball, in the yeah, right, yeah, exactly, pretty much. And you know what? And I asked, I asked, I saw one of the meetings that we, I had with Ryan. I said, Ryan, you know. Hey, buddy, you know, I've had a lot of your beers. And I'm like, I'm sorry that, you know, I dumbed you down to your lowest, you know, level. And he goes, are you kidding me? He's like, I've been waiting to make this beer a long time. He's got, I'm going to drink more of this than anything else in the house. And you know what? I, I, was, I was stunned when he said that because I really did think I was dumbing you down to the lowest <laughs> no level. Way. But uh, no, I mean, from a technical standpoint, it's tough, isn't it? It is very tough. Yeah. So lagers don't really hide anything. And um, the blessing of hops are that if you make a beer that maybe doesn't finish up as well as you wanted it to, or maybe you fermented it too high or too low temperature, the hops hide everything. They kind of blend together, and and you can pass it off. But with a lager beer, it there's really nothing to hide, especially with a beer this delicate. There's no real hop character in there at all. We tried to find that balance of hops as far as the balancing bitterness but not tasting bitter, uh, and then the right combination of the corn and the uh, malt and the right yeast. So it was, it was kind of a dance and it, it, it works. Yeah. It no, came man. out great. I mean, Joe, Joe was sitting in all the meetings and, you know, he's like, he kind of like, kind of like, let's do old style. He kept on hammering on old style. And I'll tell you what, I, I was like, yeah, let's do that. Let's do, you know, Hell yes. and uh, the can is beautiful, by the way, your, uh, your graphic designer did an unbelievable job. And, you know, just seeing it in, in uh, my friends and family's hand, which we're, I hired a photographer just for the event to shoot beer pictures. So uh, that's, that's commitment how, right there. That, yeah, yeah, commitment. That's, that's commitment, right? <laughs> exactly. Is. Yeah, it's been pretty crazy. I mean, just from our standpoint, like the first time, I think it was your mom actually that hit me up 
and was like, hey, uh, I'm doing this event in my son's basement. Uh, do you want to come and pour beer? I was like, uh. That's right. That's 100% what? right. What are you yeah. talking about? And then I <laughs> came and I was like, oh, I get it now. This place is awesome. So You know what? That's a true story now that I think about mom it. My mom, my mom <laughs> recruited uh, these guys. She's the yeah. reason we're here. She's, <laughs> she's the keystone. She does it all here at Club 400. Right. I mean, I, Carrie Wood was your guys' Yeah, first that was party. our first one. We just had a table with a couple of cases of beer and uh, I think like a six barrel and a picnic pump and then it kind of just it evolved and evolved and evolved. And to see it start go from that to like having something, A, that's this delicious, that looks that absolutely kick ass it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good day on thursday oh yeah it's it's gonna be the culmination of all the years but i remember 2014 we had tom ricketts here and that was kind of what made club 400 what it is today he basically by coming out here he put us on the map and then that was the money when we made uh we raised money for nick sheridan we raised like thirty three thousand dollars something like that got him a couple legs and an arm who's a great friend of mine wonderful person and we had this party, and like, man, that that was a really good time. Let's let's do it again and help someone out next year. So the whole Club 400 thing evolved. To put it in context of how long these guys been with us, our first player was Carrie Wood, and uh, he declined us at you know because just like you said, hey, you want to come to my house for a party in my basement, you know? And he, he thought I was crazy. And there's a story I've never told on the Club 400 podcast, but yeah, he turned us down, and then. Uh, I was like, oh, where do I go from here? Because I really wanted Carrie Wood out here because of our history with the We Got Wood thing. And um, I was kind of like, I, I can't believe you turned us down. You know, like back in the day, like how did that chick turn me down? I don't get it, you know? <laughs> but Nobody can figure it out, Stu. It's a mystery. <laughs> so weird. That should be an obvious shirt. <laughs> how did she turn you down? <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is that, um, you know, I had reached out to Tom. I said, Tom, I know you're going to run into Carrie Wood. And I said, T tomorrow night, because they were having a big charity event. And I said, just let them know I'm not some crazy, you know. Just let them know, I'm a, you know, we're, we're legit over here, you know. And believe it or not, the next day after that charity event, and don't laugh, but I was actually in my car. I always remember this. At the gym. Don't laugh, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Doing what? <laughs> well, you're outside the gym in your car. Trying to like. find a place to park? or what? I was, didn't want to go in, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to the radio solo? What were you doing? And um, I got the call from Carrie Wood Foundation. Huh. You know what? We decided to, we decided we want to come. And I was like, holy cow. So we had Tom, but now we have our first player coming here. Someone that had something to do with our past. And yeah, you're 100% right, Jesse. That's how, that's how long CLB has been with us. It's been since the beginning, you know. And uh, yeah, July, um, I mean, this coming Thursday is going to mean the world to me. You know, I'm going to try to enjoy this party a little bit more. They're always very stressful. But uh, it, it means the world to me. And since we are a Cubs podcast, we'll get off that subject. But let's talk about Lucky Door because uh, all the Cub fans, there's a Crystal Lake Brew at Wrigley Field at the Lucky Door. Can we talk about that for a minute, Jess? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Lucky Door is a really, really cool spot. It's actually attached to the Cubs office. Um, so if you're looking at the uh, souvenir shop and everything, you hang a uh, you hang a right in between the the merch shop and the, the stadium, and you will you will walk into Lucky Door. And this is a good thing. It's I mean they have an absolutely killer lineup of beer. Uh, and um, Nilo is uh, he's the one who runs the show over there. 
been in the brewing game for a really long time and he's actually from crystal lake so um they were able to you know based on his connections and everything they were able to do a uh, a bunch of collab beers with uh, a lot of different breweries in uh, in chicago and uh he hit us up and was like hey man you guys want to make a bre- uh, beer with us and uh yeah yeah i think i think that'd probably be a pretty good idea <laughs> and uh they're really awesome people so uh ryan did a uh, last year we did one called hometown debut um, which was kind of a hoppy weed ale. And this year was uh, a Midwest IPA called Oh, Oh, Oh. And it, yeah. <laughs> How'd you come up with that name? Well, we were t- sitting oh. around. <laughs> oh, well, I'll tell you, uh, we were sitting around with those guys and uh, we were thinking like, what's the most Midwestern terms that are out there? So like somebody threw out ranch dressing and some, something else. And uh, one of their guys um, said, uh, I was uh, Aaron, Aaron. Yeah, Aaron, um, he's their uh, fine uh, door guy. He's like, what about oh? We were just like, what? Perfect. All right, yeah, let's do it. So we were, we were on the way down to go do their staff training, and we took the train down, Ryan and I, and walking through Union Station and probably said it 13 times going through. We're just like, oh, man, this is, this is money in the bank. So we apologize now that every time you say, oh, you're going to think of that big, fruity Midwest IPA. Yeah. There's no problem with that. That's just great marketing, is yeah, what I say. Exactly. And I and I love that beer. I really do. And I, I was saying before, like if I get to the game really late, I'm gonna go in there and have like one or two to get me jump started. You know. So. Yeah, that, <laughs> we did that one time, and doesn't that raise the level of coolness of you guys that you're right there, oh, right next absolutely. to Bradley Field? It's like, yeah, this is I, like I felt cool because I live by Crystal Lake. You know, it's like, yeah, it's very uh, cool. It's pretty awesome when you can sit there, and that's that's as close as we've gotten to be able to have one of our own beers in the stadium is uh, is being at Lucky Door, being. And you ain't gonna get any closer than that. Yeah, no. pretty much. You no. know, you can never say. No Never, but uh, yeah, you know, right. a guy can always hope. But yeah, that's it's it's pretty amazing. Those are those are great people for sure. Hey, Club Four Hundred beer and Wrigley Field, not for perfect. Tom, on line one, I'm Ricketts. <laughs> anybody? Anybody? Jesse, tell us where people could find you outside of just coming to visit. Tell us your address and all the basically contact information. Oh, uh, shameless fa- plug. Is, yeah, shameless plug. Right? <laughs> oh, okay, nice. sweet. Um, good at so, that. Uh, so you can uh, you can find us. The the brewery itself is at 150 North Main Street in Crystal Lake. Um, uh, again, tap rooms open every day uh, in the evenings during the week and uh, all day on the weekend. Uh, if you happen to take the Metro line, you can hop off the um, UP Northwest line at Crystal Lake. You walk a block north, you are at the brewery. Uh, you can have several beers over there, maybe stop at a couple other places, which we would suggest have another couple beers and food and all that good stuff, and then stumble back to the train. Um, we're uh, available all over uh, McHenry County. Um, our, uh, our local distributor, uh, Chaz Erdrich, which Joe Rod is a part of and everything, uh, they've done a truly remarkable job getting our beer out there and in front of everybody. I mean, I, everything from Walmart to Garfields to the Quarry Cable Park, Dukes, I mean, up everywhere uh, in McHenry County. And then outside of that, we're basically, you'll find us in and around places pretty much from the Wisconsin border to the Mississippi River to Lake Michigan, all the way as far south as, far south as about um, like Kankakee, Bourbon A. Um, so roughly 800 or so different Different bars, restaurants, um, grocery stores, liquor stores, that sort of thing. So it'll be out there. This beer is not going to be as much, uh, you know, you're not going to see as much of it, that Club 400, because I believe we're probably going to go through some of it on Thursday. Well, and this is my biggest concern, is that after trying it and had a couple, this isn't going to last at all. 
Do, no. we, ha- do we have a plan for that? <laughs> Just given my consumption I mean, rate. Did you see <laughs> the and Stu's? Did you see the like Facebook? It was trending on Twitter. Let's start there. But it was all over Facebook. Everybody talking about where do I get it? How do I get it? I want ten cases. Can you ship it to you know Timbuktu? Yeah. So what oh. ha- what happens when you run out? That's my concern. Dude, don't depress me right now. <laughs> you bring it down. I think it's a good thing. <laughs> no, no, it? it is. I think it's awesome. I assume uh, Ryan's going to make more. Yes, I am going to I mean, to it make could more. go one as of two ways. Possible. You could make more or you could hold off for a little bit and make people want it even more. That's true. There's a couple That's different true. strategies there. I'm hoping you make more right away. I'm just going to throw my <laughs> that two depends. cents in. That depends, I guess, on how much of our own supply is still left. The Cubs are on a winning streak, so we're going to need some for some uh, October. I know that for play sure. Right? Baseball with Club 400 beer. Joe, by the way, is one of the most positive Cub fans I've ever met in my life. Joe Rodriguez sitting over there. He's When the Cubs are down. Uh, he, he's down? He, he's, no, he's, he's, oh, he's up. Yeah. He's up. Yeah. Oh, that's you that gets down when they're down. Yeah, that's why. You won't, I'm you won't go outside shift. and play. I write the stew shift. I'd be like, no, 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 get back over here. But, I, you know, just being around you two guys, Jesse, I know that uh, you guys are Kind of like brothers, you know. Yep. Well, I'll ask you this question: Is a brewery's beer as good as as good as the brewmaster is? You know? uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's it's very comforting to me as the person who's out there. You know, uh, one of the people that's out there getting this in front of people that were asking to buy it and whatnot to have confidence that I can walk in at any time and I don't have to just like. Yeah, it's really good. It's the latest flavor of, you know, strawberry milkshake uh, with marshmallow fluff in it or whatever. Um, Not that that's bad, of course. Mm. Um, But no, I mean, having the peace of mind for me going in there and and sampling to people, I know it's going to be good. That takes a huge weight off my shoulders for sure. So and the other really awesome thing is like I know that. Um, Ryan and the and subsequently the rest of the crew in the brewery they will do whatever they have to do to get the beer out there um, as opposed to you know being aggravated and whining oh, I don't want to split that half barrel into six barrels or something like that like hey, I may not love it but oh we love it <laughs> yeah, you do. yeah we love that <laughs> you love moving beer three yes. times the more the merrier well I'll be honest with you um, Ryan Clooney's behind this beer and that's all I got to damn say all right and it's <laughs> and a you're great, the inspiration and it's a great beer. And, um, man, let's do it. This Thursday, Club 400, a beer for all nine innings. CLB, Crystal Lake Brewery, will be in the house. William will be in the house. Carlos Zambrano, just talked to him today. He's ready to rock and roll. And, yes, Wilson Contreras is flying in a helicopter, and he will be here to take pictures. Everybody's going to get a ball or a bat, and then we'll have an awesome Q&A. It'll be a great night. We'll raise a lot of money for charity That's what we're all about. Cub fans helping Cub fans. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great week, and we will talk to you soon. Oh, Ryan, I forgot to ask you, buddy. Um, What is your favorite beer song of all time? Because we always ask all our guests, or or we pick John picks a song, or William picks a song. We're going to end this episode, uh, Club 400 Lager, with your favorite beer song of all time. Well, I think it has to be... Uh, I'm on a beer run by the uh, now the name escapes me. Uh, it was Wisconsin something There's schnapps, yeah. Um, the Oop Band, what? <laughs> the Oop, what the, the heck's it called? <laughs> something schnapps band, and they're they're out of Wisconsin, and they it's 
called I'm on a beer run and it, I'm it's on a beer such run. a great tune. We'll Look find at, it. Yeah, you can Google I'm on a beer run and Happy Schnapps combo, I think is what it's called. <laughs> Happy Schnapps, yeah. okay. We're on a beer run. We're on a beer run. They say a happy schnapps drink a lot. When it comes to beer, we don't like it. Cause we got a reputation in every bar from Manchester to Michigan. We started out the curses up the TR. Helma brought us my box from the bar. We slugged them down and let a few good belches. Then out the door and right back in the car. They said, let's go up north to Michigan. We'll drive around and see just what...